0: You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade. Joined as always by my co-host, David Droegemeier, and this episode is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment that you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Before we get started, we are two writers who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog. We've been covering the Chargers now for over five seasons doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly. And this is our third season as the host of the Lockdown Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. What is up guys? Happy crossover Thursday. These are always the best days of the week and today we get to join a good one because David Droegemeier is going to be talking with Cody Rourke of the Locked On Broncos podcast and there's a lot to get into like going up against former Charger Melvin Gordon. If they are confident that Drew Locke is the guy for them going forward and much more, but we're going to start with the news that the Chargers have made a trio of roster transactions, bringing a couple guys into the practice squad and releasing one player, and they also, and Anthony Lynn also opened up maybe about a running back competition that has been going on since the loss of Austin Eckler, so let's go ahead and get into it. On Wednesday, Los Angeles Chargers head coach Anthony Lynn opened up about a running back competition, and the Chargers made a trio of roster transactions. This is Daniel Wade with your Locked On Chargers lead story. When speaking with the media on Wednesday, Anthony Lynn was asked a question about why the Chargers running game has been struggling so much over the last couple of weeks And he was asked if there was an easy fix. And what he said was, we just do what we started out doing earlier in the year, which is just executing. I've challenged the guys in that room to step up and make plays too. You know, I'm looking for someone to take over that backfield. And right now, we're just throwing a guy in there here, throwing a guy in there there. I want someone to get in, get in a rhythm, and take over that backfield. We will see what happens this week. What he is talking about there is just the fact that since the Chargers lost Austin Eckler, Neither one of Justin Jackson or Joshua Kelly has really been able to take over that role fully. Each one has led the team in carries one of the last two weeks, and neither one has had a great day in either game. But the Chargers need to do something because last week, Justin Herbert was the team's leading rusher. The most effective rushers in the game were wide receiver sweep plays to Joe Reed primarily, and he was effective getting into the end zone. And I believe that will be something for the Chargers going forward. And Anthony Lynn has also said in the past that, when you throw the ball to the running backs in open space, it's basically the same as a carry, but he also did preach that being able to traditionally run the ball is also very important as well. But over the last two games with Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly being the main two guys, neither one has really taken advantage of. Of that opportunity fully against the Saints, Justin Jackson led the team with 15 carries for 71 yards. He did average an, an impressive 4.7 yards per carry, but most of that came on one 36 yard run, which was nice to see that explosiveness. But Joshua Kelly over the last two games has averaged just 2.4 yards per carry. And last week, led the Chargers in carries against the Jacksonville Jaguars, while Troy Main Pope was actually the Chargers' most effective rusher with one carry for six yards. So it has been a running back by committee situation, and he was also asked whether it's hard for a running back to have to come in and out like that and not be able to get a rhythm as a former Running back Anthony Lind ended up saying, That can be, but in this day and age, you play so many guys based on their skill set and play calls that it's kind of normal. I'm just looking for someone to make plays. Things don't have to be perfect. Create when you have to. Take what the online line gives you, those kind of things, just execution, some consistency at the position, to be honest with you. So it doesn't seem like he's really happy with any of the guys in that room currently. And the Chargers will need to do more to take some off of Justin Herbert's plate. And it's not going to happen if their running backs can't handle the ball effectively. But the Chargers did also make a couple of roster moves on Wednesday, because they ended up signing Jesse Lemonnier and also Jason Moore back to the practice squad, and they ended up releasing Lee Autry, who was just a practice squad defensive tackle, and the move makes sense, because for Jesse Lemonyne, he didn't really have a spot on the team after Melvin Ingram was able to come back onto the active roster, and he was filling in there. Now, they go three deep at that position. Melvin Ingram, Uchenna Nwosu, and also Emeke Egbule. but they did decide to keep another undrafted free agent defensive end, Joe Gaziano, on the roster because he is a more ideal fit to back up Joey Bosa and Isaac Rochelle. But Lemonyne is a good player to bring back on the practice because after spending two years in junior college he went to liberty university and was able to rack up 20 and a half sacks over his final two seasons there and another player that has been productive for them somewhat is jason mooring actually going into this season out of all the chargers wide receivers knowing that two of them were rookies with joe reed and kj hill he was actually the only guy outside of Mike Williams, and Keenan Allen at the receiver position that had actually had a catch in the NFL. He ended up having two catches against the Pittsburgh Steelers last year in his rookie year, but that just shows you the lack of experience at that position. But with players like Tyron Johnson and mainly Jalen Guyton who has 8 catches for 258 yards this year. There's just really no spot for Jason Moore on the roster, but by bringing him back, you keep some bodies on at that position on the practice squad and after both guys cleared waivers, they should be safe down there. But with as crazy as this year has been and with the amount of injuries the Chargers have suffered, especially since Mike Williams and Keenan Allen have both gone down at some point, I would expect Jason Moore to stick around because he was a guy that was a division 2 star racking up 29 touchdowns over a 24 game span while at division two finley so he definitely has some talent there we'll see if he's able to scratch and claw his way back up on the roster and prove that he should be a part of this team going forward but we do have two more segments to get into because it is crossover thursday so david Drogemeyer is going to get into all things bronco with cody Rourke coming up right after this but first This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment that you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels, and I know for you guys, you're probably a part of that league as well. And when you're looking at your game day atmosphere, when you're going out and getting wings, when you're going out and getting all the great snacks, you don't want to forget the Pepsi at the store. You need it to drink it. You need it for chasers. There's so many things that it's good for. But it's important to have because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching.
0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back into a new crossover Thursday. It's AFC West Week again for the second consecutive week. It's locked on Broncos and Lockdown Chargers. And we're going to be breaking down all the action here today with David Dragemeyer of the Locked On Chargers podcast. And ladies and gentlemen, this is a fun matchup every single year, always competitive, and there's a lot of history between these two teams. But, David, there is going to be a big-time change this year because there's no more Phillip Rivers in this rivalry, which is something we've all grown accustomed to. But there is a new, exciting young gunslinger, and his name is Justin Herbert, who I remember when we did the AFC West Ultimate Division crossover this offseason, I was talking to Daniel, who was was doing the thing at the time about – how much that Justin Herbert, I think, would be the best pick for the Los Angeles Chargers. And they, you know, I know you guys wanted Tua, but I, I think that ch- the tune has changed a little bit. Uh, so I'm going to start off with asking you a question. Really, since Justin Herbert came in in that first game against the Kansas City Chiefs, I mean, it was moments before kickoff. He found out, hey, you're the guy, and he didn't disappoint. Smart, methodical. even saw it a little bit in hard knocks. What has been the biggest difference about this Los Angeles Chargers football team with Justin Herbert as the guy? Honestly, I think it's just tempo. The tempo of the offense is completely
2: different with Justin Herbert under center. And yeah, we only saw one game of Tyrod Taylor as the starting quarterback. But it seems just like the ball, it gets down the football field at a much better rate. The offense is going at a much higher tempo. They're getting the ball out. To, and they're going deep too. I mean, with Tyrod Taylor, he's a very conservative quarterback. He's actually one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL history of not turning the football over, and that's you know just typical to way he the way he executes his offense. You know, if he doesn't see something there, he's looking to run. He's not always trying to extend the play and and throw the football. You know, he, he wants to use his legs. Justin Herbert does that as well, but Justin Herbert has a much bigger arm than Tyrod Taylor does. That is for certain. So I think it's just the pace. Of the offense and the style in which they want to execute. Both of these are similar quarterbacks. Both have great mobility and the way they execute, but it's just a little bit more exciting with Justin Herbert under center.
0: I've had a chance to watch Justin Herbert when he was a senior at Sheldon high school in Eugene, Oregon. I, uh I played football. I went to high school at Marshfield, uh, wow. which is in Coos Bay, Oregon. And so my defensive coordinator eventually became the head coach of Sheldon and actually coached his brother, Patrick. Uh, so that was a really cool thing that really ties that bind, but seeing Justin Herbert in high school, I mean, he was super methodical for Sheldon Irish a six, a private Catholic school. And they lit everybody up that year Um and, and every year for that matter. So see him go to the U of O and really play the way that he played was fun to watch. And now he's a pro. And here's the thing that I noticed a little bit more, too. I I go back to that Tampa Bay Buccaneers game because the Broncos have played Tampa Bay so far this year and they send a lot of pressure. They send a lot of blitz from the nickel. They'll dial up inside backer blitzes. And Justin Herbert, even though pressure was in his face, is setting his feet and he's throwing the football downfield and he's making those throws where it's falling in the bucket of wide receivers here. Now I want to ask you a question. We saw Keenan Allen go down with an injury against the Saints. He came back last week looked like his normal self on film alongside Mike Williams, who's now getting more healthy as well. What can we expect from this receiving unit? And is K.J. Hill going to play a little bit of a role in this matchup on Sunday?
2: So as far as K.J. Hill is concerned, uh, I think you, know, you want to see him get worked in a little bit more in the offense. But right now, it just doesn't seem like the coaching staff has a lot of confidence in his ability right now. They're definitely swinging the momentum towards the faster uh, undrafted free agent guys like Jalen Guyton and Tyron Johnson. Those two are the guys who are getting more of the opportunities behind Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, you know what you're going to get out of those guys. Mike Williams is one of the best big play wide receivers in the NFL. Throw throw the ball up to him and watch him go get it. I mean, 50-50 balls for him, like many people have mentioned, is more like 80-20. It's really difficult to try to get a ball out there where he can't go get it. And then Keenan Allen, obviously, if you need a first down, if you just need to get a catch, a completion, the guy is pretty much always open all the time. But they were missing another an element to that offense, to that wide receiver core, and that was just pure blazing speed. And Jalen Guyton is what provides that. He has, uh, I believe, three or four catches on the year, and two or three of them are seventy-plus yard touchdowns. So the guy hasn't caught a lot of balls, but the ones he does catch, he usually ends up in the end zone. So, and he's got four, three, five speed. If you ask Anthony Lynn what he was looking for out of his wide receiver three position, the only thing he wanted was speed. He wanted to stretch the field. If you remember, of course of course you do, uh, they had t- Travis Benjamin in that role for a couple of years, and uh, that was an unmitigated disaster because uh, he doesn't like to play actual football. <laughs> he doesn't like to get hit. Uh, he didn't really catch the ball particularly well. He's always looking to go out. Of bounds. And that's completely different from Jalen Guyton. He's looking to catch the football and he is not afraid to take a hit if that's what it costs. But that's what's going on. I I would love to see them work in KJ Hill more, but it just seems like Jalen Guyton and Tyron Johnson have the upper hand on KJ Hill so far.
0: That's going to be, a, I think, more development, if anything, for him and the Chargers. And you mentioned Definitely. speed, because when you see guys like Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, see some tight contested coverage and then a safety over the top or more likely a safety covering Hunter Henry, it's going to leave for some of those one-on-one opportunities inside the nickel. So I think Bryce Callahan against him is going to be one of the matchups to watch. Also, I think even Michael Moody against Mike Williams, A.J. Boye against Keenan Allen. I think it's going to be a fun and entertaining thing. And we know the chippy trash talk that A.J. Boye has in his game Keenan Allen, the same exact way. No they doubt. used to have those battles between Keenan Allen and Chris Harris Jr. That's a different story now. Too uh, bad overall, Chris Harris
2: won't be out there this week, man. I know this would have been a really fun game for him. Maybe the next
0: time they play. Yeah, I know that uh, a lot of people are looking for the battle of the 25s because the opposite is <laughs> definitely attractive. I want to shift our focus here now to the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, a lot of injuries, a lot of big blows to them, losing Derwin James and losing Chris Harris Jr. in that secondary has been been very key because I felt like watching the first few games of the season for the Los Angeles Chargers. even though Derwin James was not out there, I thought that having Chris Harris Jr. out there, having Casey Hayward, I thought they were playing really tight football and their pass rush was getting home. Jerry Till was making an impact and then uh, Melvin Ingram's dealing with a little bit of a knee issue on and off. He was listed as limited on the on the practice report. What do you think the biggest key is for this Chargers team? Where are they at health wise coming into this matchup? Well, they starting they're
2: starting to get a little bit healthier as the weeks go on. They got Melvin Ingram and Justin Jones back last week. And you know, yeah, Melvin Ingram, yes, was a limited participant, but I'm pretty sure that's just more maintenance than anything. Melvin Ingram's been in the league for a long, long time. He is a veteran. He's actually the longest tenured charger on this team right now in the organization, now that Philip Rivers has departed. He's the guy now. He's been with the team the longest. And, you know, with him, he's like a cyborg. He's superhuman, you know, the way he heals. I mean, he tore his ACL and came back in the same year. It's just the the guy is built differently. So I wouldn't read too much into him being a limited participant. I would imagine he's still going to be out there. On the defensive side, honestly, they are starting to get a little bit more pieces back. And I think Chris Harris Jr. is on the mend. He said on on Twitter that, you know, when uh, somebody asked him a question about his health, he said, the bones are fully healed. And now he's just trying to get his conditioning back. So I would imagine between the next week or so, we should see Chris Harris Jr. making his way back to the defense as well. But, yeah, obviously you look at this this defense and you see some playmakers, but, I mean, man, they've been plagued. Plagued by injuries so, so badly. But, hey, as, as we know, this is the NFL and you can't make excuses about injuries. Injuries are part of the game and they're going to happen. So I think one of the bigger uh, issues on the defensive side here is stopping the run. They have not done a very good job of getting to getting to the middle and stopping the offensive line before they can get going forward. They're creating some cavernous holes against the Chargers defensive uh, front. And it's been very, very bad. Obviously you saw last week, James Robinson cut them up for over 120 yards rushing. That's the big issue. I mean, we know the Chargers are still are going to get after the quarterback. Joey Bosa is doing his thing. Melvin Ingram coming back and making things easier for him. So, that's the biggest issue out there. I think Justin Jones is going to help a little bit, but he just came back from injury. So I think it's going to take a little bit of time before they really get things rolling in the direction that they want.
0: And I know Broncos running back Philip Lindsay's had some big games against the Chargers in the past, too. He's questionable for Sunday, go through concussion protocol. So going to be a big matchup. If Lindsay can't get the start, Melvin Gordon gets his former team, might get the primary carries there. Uh, but Broncos country and Chargers fans, guess what? We're going to be talking about the Broncos side of things. David's going to flip the script a little bit. Coming up here in just a moment. But before we do that, i got to tell you about the sponsors of today's episode of our Locked on Broncos, Locked on Chargers crossover Thursday. That's our good friends over there. Rockauto.com and sportsbetting.com. But with rockauto.com, chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do it yourselfers. Rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are always reliably low. So, rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear, like airlines do. Rockauto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. Rockauto.com is a family owned business that's been serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years. If you need something, rockauto.com is the place to go, where you get a shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers they have everything that you could be looking for whether it's engine control modules brake parts tail lamps motor oil, and even new carpet, whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, you get everything that you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your doorstep. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle, and you get to choose the brands, the specifications, and even the prices that you prefer. That's why I rock with rockauto.com, because prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low, and they're the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts elsewhere? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write LOCKED ON in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts that your car will ever need. rockauto.com
2: all right, we're back here on the crossover, crossover Thursday. Locked on Chargers. Locked on Broncos. Of course, you can find Cody Rourke on Twitter at Cody Rourke NFL, and this guy is absolutely everywhere covering the Denver Broncos. Of course, you can find me on Twitter at Detro Sports, and of course, Locked On LAC as well. So, hey, Cody, you know the, the Broncos. The organization just has a long storied history and just kind of a level of expectation. Anytime they start a season in the NFL. So I'd always like to kind of get an idea of just what the feeling is around Denver, around this team with the Broncos sitting at two and four.
0: Well, there's a lot of unrest on the social media sphere of things, right? The Broncos sitting at two and four when you look at their losses, though, losing to Tennessee week one, losing to Pittsburgh in week two, and, and really coming back in that game after being down 17 to three after losing Drew Locke and Cortland Sutton who tore his ACL. And then your third loss comes against Tampa Bay. And then your fourth loss comes against Kansas City. So their losses have been to really really good football teams. I'd ar- I'd make the argument that outside of the Kansas City game when you look at the score 43 to 16, defensively Denver did a in my opinion one of the better jobs. Outside of the Los Angeles Chargers matchup, I felt like Denver played Kansas City really well defensively. However, when you throw a pick six, you turn the ball over four times, you give up a kick return for a touchdown, That's what led to the discrepancy that was against Kansas City. And so the offense has been the struggle part of the season so far. Defense has been the strong suit. Bradley Chubb's been playing at a high level. Broncos fans are kind of in panic mode right now, but I always like to try to be the reason, the voice of reason for fans and for the organization because this is a football team that is very, very young they're going through the growing pains, and they're still very competitive from the onset. So, uh, you know, you you drop a, a divisional game against the Kansas City Chiefs, but now you have welcome in a divisional opponent like the Chargers. And despite the fact that Justin Herbert's been playing so well, they got their first win with him as a quarterback – and it's crazy they don't have more wins. So obviously they're they're a missed kick against New Orleans, uh, you know, some missed opportunities, a, a turnover against Tampa Bay, and then you know an interception against Kansas City. I mean, this this is a very very strong Chargers football team. And I encourage Broncos fans to watch film because if they're overlooking a team like LA, they're going to be sorely mistaken because it's a damn good football team.
2: Yeah, they definitely are. I mean, they've had seventeen point leads on you know the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buccaneers, both teams we know now are very very good. F- you know, high quality football teams on both sides of the ball. So uh, definitely don't do that. That would, that would definitely be a mistake, but Hey, the, this year for the Broncos was kind of about evaluating what you guys have in drew lock and, you know, what the future of that looks like. So knowing that it's only been a couple of games that he's played this year, you know, what do you need to see going forward that would convince you and Bronco fans around, you know, Denver, that drew lock is going to be the guy. He is the starting quarterback going forward. What would, what would it take for that for you?
0: Well, he's got 10 games to really show the Broncos that he's going to grow into a quarterback role. Now, we saw him grow in that five-game stretch last year in 2019, a little bit this year, first game against Tennessee. He does he does relatively well. Not having the ball in that third quarter outside of one drive against Tennessee was a killer for them. And then in Pittsburgh, he gets blasted and he severely sprains his AC joint. He's out for a few weeks as well, makes his return against New England. And the Broncos, they're just trying to find their identity on the offensive side of the ball. Now, again, Against Kansas City, I would say that Drew Locke took a massive step back in terms of his progression. Uh, You know, He missed open reads across the field. He's always looking for the home run ball. Uh, He's looking for that early and often. He missed guys like Noah Fant coming open underneath Jerry Judy on crossing patterns. He's got to be better with his decision-making and also going back to his mechanics. He's got a tendency right now in a clean pocket to drift to the right side to try to roll out and, and, and to extend plays with his legs. That's not necessarily his strength right now. The strength for him is his offensive line has given him enough time to stand in the pocket, to make these throws. He's got to go through his reads and progressions. He met with the media yesterday, and he even said that he's got to do a better job of that as well. So if he could do these things and grow week in and week out and show that progression, then yes, I do have faith that he can be the guy for this Denver Broncos football team. But if he continues to regress the way that we saw against Kansas City, there's going to be some serious concerns about the quarterback position.
2: Yeah, no question about that. Well, hey, we talked a little bit earlier about – uh, Melvin Gordon, the former Chargers running back, who uh, obviously signed with the Broncos in free agency. And, you know, he's had a pretty decent start, 349 yards on 82 carries, good for 4.3 yards per attempt, which, you know, you want you know want probably between 4 and 5. Uh, in, but the, on the negative side of things, he's fumbled the ball three times this year as well. And I know that is definitely a concern. But just overall, you know, what has your opinion been of Melvin Gordon so far as a Bronco?
0: You know, I there's there's Broncos fans. Look, I think the Broncos should have paid Philip Lindsay. They should have extended him. But the reason Agreed. they didn't, and the reason they brought in Melvin Gordon, it wasn't any kind of slight towards Philip Lindsay's because they really didn't feel comfortable with Royce Freeman's production. They wanted to pay a running back, too, to really be that compliment to Lindsay. They're both listed as 1A and 1B. They're both on the field at the same exact time when healthy. And so, obviously, if Philip Lindsay's not there this weekend, Gordon's going to get the carries. But that's been the case. Phillip Lindsay left the first half of the Tennessee Titans game week one, returned against New England ran for over 100 yards, and then Melvin Gordon didn't play in the New England game. So really, we've only seen, in in combination, probably a full game between the first half of Tennessee and the first half against Kansas City of these two players being on the field at the same time. And the Broncos' rushing attack was really going. But unfortunately, guess what? An offensive turnover, a pick six, and a kick return. When you're down by a couple scores, you really can't afford to run the ball. Denver finished the game with 177 yards on the ground against Kansas City. And I I think that Melvin Gordon, you know, his biggest thing is sometimes he has a tendency to bring that ball out high and not really secure that nose of that ball to bring it in. So sometimes guys come out and they punch it out. He's got to be better with that going forward. And I think he's going to be cognizant of that. You know, he's very reflective on that, but... Uh, it's going to be a big test against his former team. Is it, is it going to be something where he rises to the challenge or is the pressure of maybe playing his former team, the team that let him go, is that going to be something that maybe is going to be a, a weighing factor that weighs him down a little bit? That, to me, I think is going to be something to watch. Definitely going to be something to watch because, I mean, we all know
2: what happened and, and you know, With this organization and with the Chargers and Melvin Gordon, that was not the big, you know, the best separation there. I mean, the Chargers and their stars or, you know, player high profile players in the past, they've never had uh, very good exits. It's always been a little bit ugly. So uh, I know that's definitely going to be something I'm watching. And you you touched on his running mate, Philip Lindsay. Philip Lindsay left, you know, Sunday's game with concussion. Do we have any idea if he's going to play? I know he didn't practice today, uh, but is there any ideas um, whether or not you feel like he is going to be available on Sunday?
0: Well, he was out on the practice field on Wednesday, and he wasn't doing anything. Obviously, he can. He's got to be cleared by an independent neurologist. So the NFL, the Broncos really have no say. Now, they anticipate they're going to find out at the earliest on Friday, according to Broncos head coach Vic Fangio, at the latest on Saturday. If he gets cleared on Friday or Saturday, he will play on Sunday, even if he didn't practice this week. They're just trying to protect him. So uh, It's going to be really an up-to-the-minute thing, David, and I think it's going to make the matchup the suspense a little bit more interesting. Uh, But if that's the case, you can expect Melvin Gordon to be the running back that starts and then Royce Freeman getting some carries in between.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's just very... I mean, I know I'm not the only Charger fan out here. Yes, I'm an analyst, but I'm also a fan as well. We've all known that Philip Lindsay has destroyed the Chargers many times in his tenure as the running back of the Broncos so that's a a name we are going to be keenly watching uh, coming up to kickoff but because like I said he has had a lot of success so finally you know we we talked about the the issues on offense but the Broncos defense has been just as stout as they have ever been what has allowed them to kind of continue that success and then just ultimately what do you think is going to end up deciding this ball game against the Chargers on Sunday?
0: Well, for Denver, I'd say that their defensive interior has been great. The secondary, once they've gotten some guys back healthy, A.J. Boy is back. They got guys that can run a lot of man coverage now. They're comfortable with guys that can play man to man against certain receivers. And they got the pressure guys now. Bradley Chubb has been on an absolute tear the last three weeks. He's, he's getting his footing back. He's not even 100% yet, according to him. He's trying to get there. He's about 90, 95% there. Um, and then Malik Reed. I mean, the Broncos have generated more sacks. I believe they've had 14 sacks in the last three games, only Baltimore's had more than that. and they've really found a way to get pressure at quarterbacks. They've been more aggressive. So I think really what it's going to boil down to, I think the Broncos' defense can match up well with L.A., and I think it it could be a slugfest back and forth. I think really the biggest key to this game, if, if the Broncos are going to come out with a victory, I think the defense will put them in enough positions to get some stops, but the offense, if they sputter out the way that they have, it's not going to be in the favor of the Denver Broncos. But if the offense can get going for the Broncos, they can convert against the L.A. defense, and if the Broncos can get some key defensive stops, especially on third down, and avoid some of those big plays. I think the Broncos have a chance in this one to win, but it, it LA is a lot better than their record indicates, and I think Denver's a lot better than their record indicates. But people on the outside, they're not going to see it that way. So it's going to be a fun matchup.
2: One thing we do know, Cody, is that and it's this is an AFC West battle, and that means it's going to be physical and it's probably going to be close. But it's definitely going to be an interesting one to watch. I am looking forward to seeing the outcome on Sunday. Thank you. F- Really appreciate you taking the time to talk a little bit of Chargers and Broncos football. And of course, good luck after
0: Sunday. Absolutely. I think if you're a Chargers fan, you got some insight into the Broncos. If you're a Broncos fan, you got a lot of insight as to what to expect from this Chargers football team, the AFC West. It looks really tough on paper. We're going to find out the Broncos host the Chargers this Sunday in Powerfield at mile high.
1: All right. Well, that is going to wrap things up for today's show. A special thank you to Cody Rourke, who always brings it strong. Uh, we're fewing for you over there with all of the Melvin Gordon fumbles. But we'll be back with you guys tomorrow. Until then, make sure to go follow us on Twitter at Locked On LAC. You can also like the Facebook page at Locked On Chargers. We post all of the shows to both pages. But the easiest way and best way to get the show is to subscribe to us, whether it's a follow on Spotify or a subscription on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. You can find the Locked On Chargers podcast there. And make sure to rate and review. If you like the show, we would really appreciate that as well well we love all the voicemails we've been getting if you guys want to get on the next voicemail show the number is 323-524-7924 and we try to get every charge's voicemail played on the show but we'll be back with you guys tomorrow because we got to get into our keys for success going up against the Denver Broncos on Sunday and we'll also make our game and bowl predictions so we'll see you guys then until then take it easy and go Bolts.